Hello, Trevor. How are you, man? As you can see by the scruff on the side of my face, I've had some time off this week just sort of hanging out at the lake and trying to convince my dog who, he forgets he's old. He's, you know, pushing 10 years old and does sleep a lot of the time. But, you know, when we're out at the lake, he's obviously a puppy again and wants to jump over sandbags because they're an obstacle course and find dead frogs and eat them and then get really annoyed when I kick them away from them. Anyway, so yeah, and we have a fun interview. I thought this was good. We, we interviewed uh, Dr. Guppy back in, in season two, episode seven, when we did Expo Exposed. He's a true Manitoban, this man. He is. Um, I don't know if it's like every other Manitoban who who gets famous, but he, he, he went away and came back and got some education and is back here, we think, doing some cool stuff in the cannabis space. Well, you know, we talk about cannabis and, and normalizing it and, and, and getting people to realize how cannabis is truly a remarkable plant and not just a drug of choice, but he's a man that you definitely want on your side. You know, a PhD in biochemistry, medical genetics uh he's got a couple postdoctorate fellowships in international cent from in international centers extensive experience austria i believe uh, yeah it talks about that he's got extensive experience in biochemistry medical genetics drug research development and analytical bio, uh, biochemistry um so he's been studying disease drugs drug manufacturing processes uh in C canada europe i mean the guy's got extensive knowledge in the in the medical field and he's focusing his world on cannabis this is the kind of professional the cannabis industry needs. And when I talk about cannabis industry, I'm talking about the medical cannabis industry, right? Yeah. This is the kind of, this is the kind of brain power cannabis needs. So I, I'm, I'm so happy that we got to uh, interview him again. And, and, you know, you've been excited about this interview for so long. I'm just going to let you run with it, man. You've got your, uh, you know. Yes. Yes. A big grin on my face. Um, and we talked about lots of things and I'll talk about some of them afterwards, but, um, and I know it comes a little late. Sorry. I had so many things to try and ask him, but one of the big things and get go a little bit towards the end of the interview to listen for is, uh, nano emulsions, nano emulsions, really small emulsions, um, as part of, uh, as a cannabis 2.0 thing. And he'll, he'll get into what cannabis 2.0 means, but, um, nano emulsions, I think are going to be, I hope, really important for especially the medical side of things because we've heard complaints frankly from medical patients that cannabis oil tastes bad now cannabis oil there's lots of different ways to get cannabis into you but cannabis oil oral oil is a common way to get cannabis into a patient because it's so easy to change the dose especially when you're starting out well you take a little bit well that didn't work you take a little bit more you take a little bit more oh that's too much you take a little bit less you know rather than trying to split a capsule or something in half uh oil oral oil is very easy to adjust the dose to titrate the dose but there are at least a significant portion of people who really don't like the taste and something that anybody who's had an edible have experience with is oral cannabis takes a while to kick in you know and it's a while can vary you know one to two hours which is you know less of an issue than you think in the medical community because you know you're usually dosing so you have the effect all day long anyway so you know the long acting is nice but you know 
an hour-ish to kick in if let's say you're taking it for pain is a long time. Uh, nano particles, nano emulsions, nano emulsion powders might really be an important thing I think for, for the medical community or at least an, another nice tool in the toolbox. Anyway, listen for that and we'll come back at the end and have, a, have another chat about some of the stuff we talked about. Sure, let's, let's hear him speak. Welcome back Dr. Guppy and uh, tell the audience a little bit about how you got into the cannabis space. Sure, great. Thanks, Thanks for having me. Much appreciated and good to talk to you again. Um, yeah, really the journey into cannabis for me started, uh, quite some time ago, I'd say 2006, you could say would be the, the start of my journey into cannabis, especially as cannabis as medicine. Um, really I had an aunt of mine that was, uh, diagnosed with Parkinson's and she had a pretty, uh, bad Parkinsonian tremor. And really, uh, what we found is that, uh, the only thing that would give her any kind of relief was essentially essentially cannabis. Uh, so needless to say, I was uh, a believer uh, in medical cannabis for, for probably longer than that, but really seeing is believing when it comes to that. Uh, and it was uh, quite dramatic, the therapeutic benefit that she had received by consuming cannabis. Uh, her, her tremor essentially was, was, uh, was still, and uh, she was able to function a more normal life than previous. Uh, so needless to say, that started kind of my research and my uh, foray into uh, the medical cannabis world, uh, trying to look at all the publications that were uh, that were available then. Uh, unfortunately, back then, pre-legalization, most of the publications speak to the the so-called harms of cannabis and so-called right. treated cannabis as the the, the dirty uh, devil's lettuce. Um, uh, but the nice thing is that now post-legalization, you're seeing a lot more research being performed and highlighting the true medical benefits of cannabis. So uh, I was going through my PhD at the time uh, and really uh, wanted to pursue cannabis as a career post-legalization. And your PhD was in? Uh, biochemistry and medical genetics. Okay. Um, so I was working as a postdoc in Austria. Uh, I was working in protein engineering, so something completely unrelated to cannabis, but nevertheless uh, drug drug related, so to speak. Right. And then uh, legalization of cannabis came, and I thought now is my opportunity to come back to Canada and get into the industry. Uh, so uh, that's what I did. And here I am now. And when we first talked to you, I believe you were just talking about uh, testing as in like genetic testing of plants. So how, how did we go from there to uh, biocision pharma, which seems to be a, a much bigger deal? Definitely. Yeah, for sure. No, it's it's been quite a, a windy road, let's say. Um, when I first came back, uh, I tried to get in with some of the bigger cannabis producers. Um, at the time, I guess they were preoccupied with, uh, with getting uh, commercialized. So I decided, hey, I'm going to start my own company. So I started my own company called Synthase Genetics. Uh, this was a biotech company that used the power of genetic analysis to uh, help out uh, cultivators. Right. So some examples could be uh, male, female sex determination. If I am a cannabis cultivator and I'm using regular seeds, 50% of those seeds are males, 50% females. And we all know that uh, it's the females that really count. 
Right. Um, and uh, so it would be much more cost effective if we could identify the male plants at the seedling stage or even, uh, you know, the, uh, using a sample from the cotyledon leaves to uh, analyze and determine if they're either males or females and cull all those male plants uh, before you have to phenotype them, you know, two months down the road after you spent all this time, money, labor, uh, taking care of a vegetative plant before you can essentially sex it. That's very cool. Now, not, not being a grower, I'm sure there's some growers laughing at me right now, but I had no idea you could determine the sex of the plant that early. Yeah, absolutely. Even five days post germination. So it's, and it's a very robust test. Uh, it's a very, very easy to determine. Um, so that's really what got me into kind of starting my own company. There was a few other genetic tests that we were performing as well, um, that were kind of more, more marker assisted selective breeding. So if you wanted to say, uh, use, uh, some data to guide you through your breeding strategies, uh, we could provide that to you. Um, <clears throat> that, uh, then that led me to, to essentially make more contacts in the industry. Uh, and I, I, uh, I stumbled across Biosision Pharma in Winnipeg here, my hometown, and uh, started talking with the, the execs that were running it at the time. And uh, they brought me on board. And, and as they say, the rest is history. Very cool. No, that uh, we, 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 we call them my cannabis stories. We always like a good my cannabis story. So, so now we're up to Biosision Pharma. Now, flipping through the website, I see sort of a couple streams we have uh cannabis 2.0 products and analytic testing so for those who don't know what's a cannabis 2.0 product what does that mean great so for us cannabis 2.0 means anything that's not smokable flour okay uh, to us cannabis 1.0 is smokable flour so you know your your your, your loose buds your milled milled flour your pre-rolls things like that anything smokable uh, for us, cannabis 2.0 is, is anything that's not smokable. So concentrates, uh, vapes, topicals, uh, uh, nano emulsified powders, beverage mixes, any all of the kind of different flavor formats of cannabis that aren't necessarily smokable, let's say. Um, and that's really where my kind of skill sets came in, uh, coming from the, the drug research and development world. I was able to apply some of the, uh, uh, let's say, pharmaceutical uh, strategies that are employed in, in mainstream phar pharmaceuticals to cannabis. And that's what uh, what I'm doing there at uh, Biocision on the production side of things uh, is crafting some of these cannabis 2.0 products. And we could, we could talk a little bit about that uh, as well. Yeah, I do want to get to those, honestly, especially the nano emulsified powders. I'll try not to geek out too much as a pharmacist, but we love emulsions and, and little particles and stuff. But let's talk, let's touch on, before I forget, the analytics testing. Like when I'm flipping through, again, the page, uh, it's not it's not a small number of tests you're doing. You know, uh, it's not just potency. We have terpenes, we have metals, we have, how about you sort of give us an overview of what kind of testing you guys do? Absolutely. So my position here at Biostition is also head of laboratories. Uh, we have a, uh, a uh, analytical chemistry laboratory here called Biostition Labs. Uh, Biostitionlabs.com is a very convenient way to access that site and also to submit a sample and see our pricing. Uh, we do testing for any legal producer across Canada, including ACMPR growers. 
So if you're interested in getting any of your cannabis tested, shameless plug, uh, certainly go visit biocidionlabs.com and all the information to submit a sample is there. Okay. Uh, what do we do? We analyze cannabis to uh, essentially provide a certificate of analysis or a COA to anyone cultivating cannabis, a legal producer. Uh, and that COA has all the tests that are mandated by Health Canada that must be performed uh, and must pass all those tests before they're allowed to sell that cannabis into the uh, public retail market. Okay. So what do we do? It's essentially certifying that this cannabis here is fit for human consumption. So some of the tests that we, we do is uh, we do pesticide analysis. So we test for 96 unauthorized pesticides that, uh, that could be present. Uh, and we can't have any of them present for the cannabis right. to pass. We test for heavy metals. So we test for arsenic, cadmium, mercury, and lead. Uh, again, there are limits to all of those metals uh, that that can be can or cannot be present in uh, in cannabis. Yeah, and, and and what we've learned along the way, just random things from different growers, we're learning is that the plant, the cannabis plant, the hemp plant, is very good at basically getting heavy metals out of the soil. Like you could actually use this type of plant. They have used cousins of this plant to clean up toxic dumps, which is a good thing, but if you're trying to grow it for human consumption, it's it's a propensity of the plant that's not so good for us that if there are any heavy metals, the cannabis plant seems to soak it up real good. Absolutely. Yeah. Cannabis is an excellent bioremediator, uh, certainly. And uh, it's it's not unheard of that, that exactly as you said, that to plant cannabis and say a field contaminated with arsenic or something like that, uh, that it will it will draw it up quite readily. Um, so, and the interesting, the interesting aspect as well is if there are any residual metals found in some of the bottled nutrients that a lot of cultivators are using, that those metals will also get sucked up into the plant and is okay. detectable into the, into the flower as well. Um, metals is, 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 is an interesting thing. I mean, arsenic is virtually everywhere. So, uh, you know, there is a limit to to uh to too much arsenic uh and uh and we do that analysis to ensure that the limits are always far below uh but arsenic seems to be fairly prevalent in almost everything humans consume uh including cannabis um yeah and in terms of the other other tests that we employ uh we do microbiology uh, so we look at uh, a couple of different flavor formats of microbiology tests we look at uh, total aerobic count. Uh, we look at total yeast and mold levels. Uh, we look at biotolerant gram negative uh, bacteria. And then we have a whole slew of uh, objectionable organisms that we look for as well, depending on what type of cannabis product uh, it is being sent to us, whether it's a product that's for a topical or an edible or a uh, inhalable. And those all have different standards associated with them. And we have to test for different organisms based on what that cannabis product is being used for. Okay. Now, we, we've heard of like aflatoxins and other, we'll call them mold slash fungi being a problem. But so different microbes, like you said, some aerob aerobic microbes and others are, are they always a problem sometimes a problem something health canada is looking at I'm, I'm just happily surprised i guess that you're looking for more than just a couple fungi 
Absolutely. Yeah, I know it's a very comprehensive test. The one thing uh, I, I will absolutely applaud is, is the level of testing in the industry and, and the limits uh, in the industry. Uh, you know, like I said, we also test ACMP, ACMPR growers uh, and, you know, and those types of products that come in often have pesticide contaminants, often have metal issues, often have microbiology issues. So, you know, if there's if there's another kind of feather in the cap for legalization, it's that we've completely cleaned the uh, sources of, of cannabis in this country and no longer are, uh, you know, legal cannabis consumers consuming things that they shouldn't be like pesticides, metals and, and microbes. So, it's a certainly it's a safeguard in the industry that is uh, is definitely uh, well recognized by by myself and my colleagues. Um, so some of the uh, some of the microbes that we test for uh, so things like E. coli, Staph aureus, Pseudomonas, uh, Candida, uh, and a whole slew of other uh, objectionables depending on how it's used for. Okay, and I promise I will go on to more interesting things. But th this is interesting to me is. As a pharmacist, Staph aureus is famous for, for skin infections. Well, it does other things too, but so does that mean that if I'm producing a topical, I'm particularly worried about a Staph aureus is there or is that something we worry about in everything? Nope, absolutely. That's one of the microbes that is more, more specific to topical products because exactly as you said, it's the ability to produce essentially skin lesions or skin infections. And for something like Canada, Albicans, uh, that's a yeast infection. So that, for example, if you're producing some sort of uh, yeah, exactly. Vaginal suppository. Um, you would want to test that to make sure that it was free any kind of any kind of candida, so we're not creating any yeast infections, things like that. So very similar to uh, the the pharmacy world. Um, you know, depending on what product you are uh, producing, will depend on which pharmacopoeial limit standard that you are uh, essentially uh, quoting. And that is the limit that we use to test for uh, in biostation labs. That is all very fascinating. All right, because I may or may not have bored some of the audience. Let's talk about good stuff. Let's talk about some of the the products you're producing. Um, as as someone who grew up in Manitoba and has been up and down it very often when I used to live in Pinawa, Manitoba, I really like the name of the, the, the brands of Highway 59 Cannabis. So good good on good on the branding on that. And, and, and the fact you have one called Cow Tip. Oh, Gimli Glider. That's even cooler. So I'm looking at Gimli Glider. For those who don't know, Gimli Glider it was a literal plane that ran out of gas because they couldn't do the conversion from metric to imperial. And uh, they, they on, on no fuel, landed at an old airstrip in Gimli. So it was a real thing. But so I'm looking at the Gimli Glider vape cart and you've got a whole bunch more listed on there than I would have expected. I've got all the different terpenes on there. Um, yeah, so how about tell us a little bit about things like your your vape carts and how, how, how yeah, tell me a little bit about those. Absolutely, without a doubt. Um, so yes, we uh, so we are the home of Highway Fifty Nine. That is our flagship brand that we produce out of here, uh, out of Biocision Pharma, and uh, we produce two different, let's say, styles of uh, vapes. 
Uh, we produce three SKUs that are formulated uh, with cannabis distillate and botanically derived terpenes. Okay, so, so not from the cannabis. Exactly, exactly. And then the other style is vapes that are formulated with terpenes that are from cannabis, 100% okay. derived from cannabis. And those are our live terpene cartridges. So just to take you through some of our SKUs um, on the botanical terpene side, uh, we have cow tipper. Uh, it's very much a kind of a, a more of a humulene dominant, myrcene dominant uh, profile. If you go on to biocisionpharma.com and you click under the products uh, tab, you can see a terpene wheel that lists the terpenes and the proportions of each terpenes that are found in each of our products. Um, so cow tipper is, yeah, very much a balance between more myrcene, um, uh, humulene and also caryophylline. Um, whereas melon head is a lot more terpinaline dominant. That's more of a kind of a, uh, I guess you could say spicier, more of a, a cleaner smell, uh, almost like, a like a clean, almost like a cleaning solution for lack of a better term. <laughs> But uh, it's my favorite. I, I love that terpinaline. That's, that's my favorite terpene of all. Okay. Uh, and then we also have Gimli Glider, which is very much more of a balanced cart between myrcene and terpinaline. Uh, it's incredibly smooth in terms of, uh, uh, in terms of the, the overall taste profile and overall effect. Uh, we also have a distillate dabber. That's where we take uh, terpenes and distillate and we put inside a little pen almost. And okay. when you click that pen, it squeezes out a, a, a little bit of distillate about the size of half a grain of rice. And okay. it comes out of a metal tip. You can put it on uh, e-nail, you can put it on top of some, some flour, you can smoke it directly on, in a pipe. It's very versatile. It's, it's activated too. It's fully decarboxylated. So okay. uh, it, it, is, uh, it could be used for edible purposes as well. Uh, super versatile and the best is no mess because it's in a it's in a distillate dispenser that basically takes the messiness out of distillate. That sounds tremendously cool. And at, at various um, cannabis events we've been at, there's always the guys there producing fantastic looking uh, glassware for for smoking dabs of various types. Uh, I assume it could be used on one of those fancy glassware dabs as well. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Enel or any kind of any kind of torch driven uh, dab rig. Absolutely. Totally, totally doable. OK, so tell me about the the live terpene cart. So this is we've all cannabis. We're not no botanical terpenes. What's the what's the idea behind those? Exactly. So I've always been a proponent of using uh, everything from the cannabis plant as possible. Uh, and this is really what we've done here with our live terpene carts. We have uh, five SKUs uh, that use 100% cannabis derived live terpenes. So how does that work? We take cannabis plants, uh, various strains. We have OG Kush, we have Maui Waui, we have Larange, uh, and we have a Mango Kush. And we take those plants and we, use, we extract the terpenes when the plants are immediately cut down. 
It's okay. about a three hour window from the time that the plants are cut down to the time that the terpenes are extracted and concentrated. So I've got to, I'm gonna ask because we've talked about the length of time. So does that mean you are actually growing plants too or how do you get them that fast? Material is sourced from, uh, from third party cultivators and then okay. the terpenes are extracted from the, that material essentially. Okay. Then what happens is that that uh, that full spectrum, full profile um, terpenes are then infused into our uh, cannabis distillate and then uh, basically filled into our cartridges, our vape devices. The nice thing about uh, using live terpenes directly from cannabis is it very, very faithfully reproduces the cannabis taste and smell and arguably the effect as well. Um, it's, it's a much more complex terpene profile. If you go on the website, biocisionpharma.com under products, you can see that there's really 15, 16, 17, 18 different terpenes that are listed, uh, for the live terps and really only about seven, eight or nine listed for the botanical terps. The other thing that we can capture by using, uh, fresh plants is we can capture different flavonoids as well. So again, another component and arguably another drug class in the uh, cannabis world that can be uh, used to, again, faithfully reproduce a, a, a cannabis vape. And that's really what we're going for here. Ex incredibly popular products uh, and uh, really uh, extremely high potency as well. Uh, just we're, we're really proud of them. And, and uh, this, these products are being sold all over Canada right now. Very cool. Okay, before I run out of time, because I don't have you forever, uh, nano emulsified powder and beverage mixtures. So uh, emulsions in pharmacy world anyway, we, we either have, we have, well, there's different types. There's oil and water, water and oil, but basically you're taking two liquids that don't mix very well together, adding something to them like a surfactant to get them to mix. So, you know, literally people say oil and water doesn't mix. Well, cannabinoids are all oil, so they don't mix really well with water. So you have to do something to them. And a, a nano emulsion would mean we get the particle in there really, really small. So hopefully they stay, they're not in solution, but they'll stay mixed together potentially indefinitely. So tell us a little bit about your nano emulsified powders and beverage mixtures. Absolutely, yeah, you, you nailed it. Uh, so we have two SKUs that are gonna be hitting the market uh, late summer. Uh, we actually just finished manufacturing a couple of pallets uh, just yesterday. So we're very pleased to be to be offering these two new SKUs into the market. Um, one of them is a lemon CBD beverage mix. Uh, so if you imagine a little sachet, almost like a, um, uh, a pack of sugar that you would see in a restaurant, it's about the same size. Uh, you, you crack it open, it's a powder, you pour it into any water or any aqueous uh, drink and you mix it up and you have a lemonade flavored uh, drink that now has 20 milligrams of CBD. Um, that particular pack is, there's three uh, drink mixes per pack and each pack is uh, 20 milligrams. Cool. The, yeah, the other one is a lime uh, THC mixer. That's two packages of uh, five milligram THC. And uh, again, same idea, uh, two sachets, mix it in water and you've got a completely uh, infused beverage on the go. I'll talk a little bit behind the nano emulsion technology behind yeah. these two drinks. A very, uh, very uh, interesting, again, 
what we did is we took some trickery from the pharmaceutical world and we brought it into the cannabis world, which in my opinion, cannabis is pharmacy, pharmacy, cannabis, cannabis is pharmaceuticals at the end of the day. Uh, so why not treat them as such? So just like you had said, uh, yes, absolutely. Trevor, uh, oil and water does not mix. Uh, so that's one of the problems with traditional edibles, uh, is that, uh, it's basically time to onset. So right. if I eat, uh, a, a oil or a traditional edible, a brownie, um, I'm going to eat it. And if I have a slow metabolism or depending on the meal that I ate that day, uh, or depending what time of day it is, uh, you know, perhaps I'm going to start feeling that an hour, an hour and a half, two hours later. Right. Right. We, people, we, We've talked a lot about edibles. In fact, we had one little episode where we 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 made some gummies, and yes, that it, that's and and in medical cannabis world, when we are giving people oils, that's exactly what we tell them: is this is going to take an hour or two to kick in. But with nanoparticles, exactly. So that's the problem that we we look to solve because really. If, if you need to feel the effects of, of that medicine, do you really want to wait two hours before you, you feel that the, the medicine kick in essentially? So what we did is we've created an oil and water uh, nano emulsion. And uh, this really solves that time to onset problem. And how does it solve it? So you'll consume uh, this beverage and really you'll start to feel the cannabis effect in roughly 20 minutes to 30 minutes. So these are pharmacokinetics or, or, or time to onset effects that are more aligned to say uh, alcohol consumption. So it's, right. it's much more of a predictable experience and it, it really prevents that ill-fated uh, redosing too soon kind of thing. And then you're just going to green out. So how do we achieve that? We take cannabis distillate, we take high potency cannabis distillate, exactly as you said, we mix it with emulsifiers. Uh, and then what we do is we sonicate it uh, and produce a very, very small nano emulsion. Uh, we have incredibly small emulsion uh, particles, and that really lends to that decreased time to onset and uh, really gets that, that, that down to about 20 minutes to half an hour from the time you consume it to this time you start feeling the effects. So we take it a step further. Uh, so the oil and water nano emulsion is a liquid but we want it into a powder. So we actually mix it with other excipients um, like uh, sugars and we spray dry it down into a powder. So okay. it's, it's kind of a, a little bit of a Russian nesting doll uh, effect where you have your THC oil as the core of the particle. You have your emulsifier that is encapsulating the THC oil. And then okay. you have your sugar that's encapsulating the emulsion droplet. And that's sprayed dried down into a powder. And then that is our uh, API or our active pharmaceutical ingredient. That API is then mixed with things like sugar, stevia, citric acid, uh, natural flavorings, uh, bitter blockers. And that's essentially mixed into the sachet. And that's how you have yourself a very fast acting, very efficient and, and quite tasty uh, cannabis beverage mix. That is... Fantastic, um, very, super cool. Um, I'm, I'm always glad when, when pharmacy stuff ends, end, ends up in the real world and other people can see how cool things like pharmaceutical compounding was. Um, and I, I will ask, just because I'm scared of running out of time. Um, so the mixtures, because 
I haven't seen that in my local cannabis shop yet. When when do we think that would be something that uh, people would be able to walk down to their local store and buy? You'll be able to see that at the end of August, early September. Absolutely. We're waiting actually on a packaging machine here at, uh, at Highway 59. As soon as that packaging machine arrives, uh, we're going to be packaging more than enough to, to supply our local market. We always are Manitoba first here. We're all Manitobans that work here. Uh, and uh, so that that's when you can expect to see those. Cool. So by the time people listen to this, depending on when you're listening, you might be able to wander down and get that like today. That's great. Now, there's so much more that BioCision does. But in case, I, how about, was there anything else you really wished I'd asked or thought I'd ask or want, wanted the, the audience to hear about before we let you go? No, just, uh, no, that was great. I really appreciate the time. And, uh, you know, I really like connecting with uh, like-minded cannabis uh, forward people and scientists and pharmacists like yourself. So uh, again, thank you so much for having me. Um, again, anyone that's interested in checking out our products, feel free to look at the website, biocisionpharma.com. Anyone looking to submit a sample um, for uh, potency testing or for any other uh, testing, feel free to go to biocisionlabs.com. And those are our two sites where we can be reached, lots of information there as well. So our last, last little bit, while just should have thought of this earlier things like the the, the nanoparticles etc it are you guys looking into the we'll call it the medical end of of this at all because you know a a medical patient really might because i you have no idea how many complaints i hear about how bad cannabis oil tastes um have you guys looked into getting the paperwork done which i assume is a mountain of it to be like a licensed producer that a a physician could send you a medical document and patients get it that way or is that not in your plan at the moment no absolutely that's so we do have a federal federal medical sales license so we are able to support the uh, medical community um, that is absolutely something that is is on our radar uh, we've got a couple of different products that are coming out as well that n- aren't necessarily uh, drink mixes but rather just a neutral uh, powder so just a very neutral THC powder that can be mixed into any uh, water-based beverage you can virtually infuse any beverage uh, that you'd like, and you can still take, you can still reap the benefits of that nano emulsion effect, which gets that that time to onset around the 20 minute mark. Uh, so that will be available in five milligram doses, 10 milligram doses. And for CBD, we're going to have that available in 20 milligram doses and 40 milligram doses as well. That is unbelievably good news all right I, I i have used up a lot of your time on a friday afternoon i really appreciate that um thank you very much dr guppy and hopefully it, it won't be you know two or three years till we talk to you next time this has been great thank you for your time you're very welcome my my pleasure uh, looking forward to catching up to, with you in uh in probably a few months time because like i say there's a lot of very interesting things going on here i'll leave one little teaser Absolutely. Uh, we, we are having, uh, we just received our uh, butane hash oil extraction skid and we're setting that up. So you're, what you're going to see in the near, near future from Highway 59 is concentrates like shatter, diamonds, diamonds, diamonds and turp sauce and live resin coming very, very soon. Uh, so we're very excited about that. Uh, so again, maybe in a few months time we can reconnect and we can go over those skews as well. 
So, Kirk. <laughs> so, my my pharmacist friend who loves science, you are over the edge on this nano stuff. So go for it, man. Explain it. Like get it down to layman's terms. It's all with sprays and sure. So, um, again. Everybody at some point of their life has done something like try to mix up a salad dressing where they've had, you know, oil and a vinegar and they shook it together and it, norm it starts in two phases and you shake it enough and you get one phase where you get sort of little globlets of the oil in the vinegar. That's an emulsion. Uh, but you also notice if you set that on the table for a while, it separates. Well, we don't want emulsions in pharmacy world to separate. So we put something else in there, like the, it's called a surfactant. It's a type of soap that sort of keeps the oil and water mixed. They're not dissolved, but still mixed. And the nano part is we get it really, really small. And he, you heard him throw out the word like sonification. That's using sound waves to mix stuff. You can use it for other things. A million years ago, I had a summer job where I was cleaning off parts of a chainsaw with a, a sonic cleaner. So it was basically acetone, but in this cleaning bath that, you know, vibrated back and forth with sound waves and cleaned the chainsaw parts. Anyway, so if you use sound waves, you can get it's like a way of mixing something really really fast and you can get these particles really really small and the best part about getting something really really small into this nanoparticle size is it should stay in suspension indefinitely you know not a couple hours a couple days it might you know a couple months to a couple years so that's very cool but then they went the, the next step so if you can imagine all these tiny little droplets of oil sitting inside water well if you take away the water you should end up if you do it carefully and you know there's a bunch of technical tricks to do this if you do it carefully you should now have just little droplets of oil and then if you do one more step and you sort of cover these little droplets of oil with sugar you should now have a tiny 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 droplet of oil with the surfactant separated surrounded by sugar that can sit in a package and now you have now you have a powder that if you dissolve when you reintroduce water later you pour it into your cup of tea or cup of lemonade or whatever and stir it back up you've you've sort of recreated the nano emulsion whenever you wanted to so that's all cool. And, you know, back when I used to do compounding, he used lots of words that, that we used to use. He was using things like stevia, which is a type of uh, sweetener, a non-caloric, non doesn't increase your blood sugar sweetener, naturally derived, so everybody likes that. Bitter blockers, yeah, we used to have to make up our own bitter blocker. And that's just sort of a bunch of flavors you put in to sort of cover up the, the bitterness of a whatever and in this case a uh, cannabinoid and yeah it's uh it's really cool and yes i'm unabashedly excited about, about nano emulsions i i think it's fantastic get a little sachet and you, you sprinkle it into a glass of water and 10 minutes later you got a you got a, a body sensation from from cannabis i mean uh, i think as a medical from a medical cannabis perspective the work they're doing is amazing um, i'm going to their web page there's two web pages for for the for his businesses the bio biocision labs and biocision pharma yeah and so he said uh, for to say it properly because i was practicing take the word biology and precision and mush them together so biocision biocision 
Biosystem. Well, it, they, I mean, we had an episode back when season two, episode seven with Expo. That's when we met him. Yeah. But we had episode 68, What's in Your Weed, when we talked about the key box. So yeah. part, part of their business does the same thing. And, and like I, you know, I hang out with hang out with a few um, old cannabis culture guys that have been growing their own and making their own medicine for a long time, and uh, I talk to them about you know getting their weed analyzed. You know you should really get it analyzed and check it out. Ah, it's too expensive. I've been growing my my crop forever. I know my weed. Blah blah blah. And it's like okay, I, I get it. I get it. I get it. Do it. And I'm not gonna I'm not going to criticize people that are practicing their own. You know plant medicine but as medical professionals i can't help but say you know what's in your weed dude and what i mean by that is that um he was talking about dr guppy was talking about um you know looking for heavy metals and stuff yeah. well you know i'm thinking a lot of medical growers that i know um <clears throat> they don't analyze their weed and i'm wondering why they would analyze it for pesticides so i'm thinking they must do a lot of work with commercial growers as well well yes and, and like they said they, they'll basically any licensed producer like be an amcr amcpr home grower or bigger they'll do all the testing yeah. but the the parts that I just uh, things I hadn't thought of uh, on heavy metals, you go, well, I'm not, a, you know, growing in contaminated soil. Well, what something they have found is some of the bottles of nutrients that people have poured on, poured on their soil to grow faster. Well, those bottles actually had some heavy metal stuff mm -hmm. in them that eventually got into the plant. I wouldn't have thought of that. You know, maybe again, you growers yeah, out yeah, there yeah. know better. And, you know, then uh, some of the microbiology that I hadn't thought of, you know, uh, if you're making a topical, you don't want to have staph aureus in there. So, you know, create an infected wound. If you're making a suppository, you don't want candida albicans, basically yeast to create a yeast infection. Um, just, you know, I, I, from the takeaway I took about this is, you know, Health Canada gets a lot of flack and maybe rightfully slow, but in Canada, we have a really good system right now for making sure the weed that gets to the consumer, both recreational and medicinal, is as safe as we can make it. There's a whole bunch of tests that have to be done. Yeah, and I wonder, you know, one of the questions I was wondering about commercial growers, do they have to test all their weed? Like every crop they do, is it tested? Because it must get pretty expensive after a while. I mean, you're looking Health Canada compliant panel, $1,000, you know? Yeah. And uh, they're, they're required, I mean, they're required to give a substantial amount of weed. What do they require here? They require uh, 40 grams of weed to do that. So I'm wondering, is it every crop? Like, how often does commercial, like, we know Delta 9 grows in uh, sea cans. Right. So... I imagine every sea can has to be, but but because it, they're because I know they're they're growing they're growing hydroponically right there in coconut, so so they would have all the same nutrients going to the plant. So they must they must test a whole sea sea can. The short answer is neither of us know. There must be a sampling schedule, but you know we'd either have to ask a commercial grower or Health Canada for you know is you know one sample per plant one sample per month one sample per year i have no idea but they're they're okay i'm assuming a lot here but i'm assuming there's sort of some kind of regular sampling schedule mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i imagine that's for the rec league uh medicinal guys i don't know how many medicinal guys are uh 
are, who grow their own are uh, are checking their weed. I don't think a lot are. I, again, I don't. I mean, it's tough to ask the companies because they're going to tell us that they got you know lots of customers. But uh, I wonder how many are doing it. I also like their other business, like Highway Fifty Nine. Um, you had some fun with that. The Gimli Glider. You were you were talking about that. Gimli Glider. Yeah. Thank you yeah. for reminding me. Gimli Glider. All right. For those of you not from Manitoba, 39 years ago, so July 23rd of '83, there was an actual Air Canada plane. So big picture, big plane, jet, lots of people on it, and there was a miscommunication between people doing math in Imperial and metric about how much gas went onto the plane or aviation fuel and it ran out of gas but the amazing part was this happened to be and i think it was like the plane like the style of plane that was flying that that could actually glide and one of the pilots happened to be in his spare time a glider pilot which is also because they are their different skill sets and he happened to be familiar with gimli like gimli um, has an old, not not in commercial use, air airfield, and uh, they 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 glided this this jetliner down, and everybody was safe. Um, that, what that's amazing. And 39 years ago this year in July that that happened, and uh, there's a vape cart named after it now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think Dauphin. I think Dauphin has the same sort of runway, like as we were uh, World War II training ground, right? So I think our runway is one of the one of the runways also that jets, large jets, can land on as well. Yeah, and now people from Gimli can call and, and complain if I've got this wrong, but I don't think the Gimli airfield has any use on it right now. I could be wrong, and. Many many years ago, uh, commercial. Uh, it's, it's recreational, I think. Okay, and then and met, actually, we should ask our friend Kao. I think he's flown out of there. Anyway, unrelated, but many many years ago, uh, I back when I thought I knew how to race windsurfers, we used to have training at Gimli, and they put us up in the old barracks at uh, Gimli Air Force Base. And then years after that, there was a few years of something called Sunfest, which was an outdoor rock fest at, at Gimli that out at the airfield. So in, in my past, I've been at that airfield several times. I've flown over it many times. Uh, I've been to Gimli several times. Uh, that's obviously what Dr. Shelley Turner and her team have their, their clinic is in Gimli. Um, I think this is a, a very interesting Manitoba business that you interviewed here. I mean, thinking that, a, you know, a, a geneticist, a, a PhD chemistry guy is, is well, designing and, and these genetics vapes. yeah kirk yeah. you're 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 a budding grower ha, ha, ha. yeah uh, yeah, did, yeah did did you know with genetics you could sex your plants five days old instead of wait, waiting for you know literal months to well, he's see sexing what you the got seeds. he's sexing the seeds right well, it, I, I, now he could have it wrong but it sounded like he was sexing them after after they've germinated but only for like five days okay. instead of waiting a, a huge amount of time which you know again if this was your business that's a whole lot of time to keep something alive that you aren't going to use yeah yeah and again how many people are growing with seeds nowadays i mean that's one of the biggest issues as acmpr growers where do you get your products from where do you get your seeds and your clones from right it's i don't think you can get clones i don't think you can share clones between growers there's a lot of stuff that just happens but I don't think the I don't think the provincial government 
ever thought of those kind of things. So I think it's a lot of gray area when it comes to sharing genetics and sharing between growers. I know you're allowed to gift. I know you're allowed to gift 30 grams, but I'm not sure as a, as a grower if you're allowed to gift your cannabis to somebody else. So that's... Um, yeah, and I'm not sure on clones and with, I'm sure someone can tell us, but uh, now I thought uh, Mother out of Saskatoon had clones that you may or may not be able to get it. But definitely people we've talked to, Kylie out of uh, Parkland Flower definitely sells seeds. But I, yeah, I grew some of Parkland's flowers and it was one, it was nice. It was nice stuff. So, yeah, well, Dr. Guppy, it was a, it was a fun interview. It's a Manitoba business, Manitoba grad, very Manitoba story. And like I said, I'm really pretty excited in the medical end about uh, uh, these nano emulsions being used in the medicinal end. You know, as we, it's a common pharmacy problem in general. You know, if the medicine tastes bad, people don't take it. So, you know, if we can improve that, fantastic. I think, I think it's wonderful from a medical cannabis perspective. I think, they're, I think what he's got going here, um, and, and you know what they've done is they're extracting all the terpenes. So I'm wondering when, when, when you're using their vapes, I guess the entourage effect must be there because they've got, they've got the... Well, they have the two notes. different styles. They have the one where they add in botanical or non, uh, non-cannabis terpenoids, they add them back in. And then they had the other one where they are, I wrote this down, th they have a three-hour window to get from yeah. plant to yeah. extraction to make sure they can get yeah. all the terpenes out. That sounds very That's similar. Pretty quick. That that sounds very similar to the uh, to hemp, right? One of the biggest problems when <clears throat> what we learned from um, uh, Lyle out there in Gilbert Plains, what we learned from him is that the biggest problem with getting the CBDs and the products out of hemp plants is that uh, getting it off the field quickly. And that, that was one of the big lessons that the American growers, when America, what was a couple of years ago, they went to legalization hemp and they were acres and acres and acres of hemp. And the problem was, the problem was harvesting. You got to get that stuff into the processor before it starts Quickly. composting. Yeah, well, it's like cutting your grass in your yard. If you don't rake it up or, or comp it'll compost very quickly, right? So, yeah. Cannabis, wonderful weed. <laughs> it is. <laughs> All right, that was another good one. Um, I'm Trevor Shufield, I'm the pharmacist. And I'm Kirk Nyquist, the registered nurse, and we are Reefer Madness, the podcast, people. And again, get to our webpage. All this stuff is transcribed, all the research is there. Um, you can you can search it from a thousand different ways. Our webpage is designed to be searched. We've got over 90 episodes up. Yeah, take a look at the webpage. Also, people, could you please um, go to your platform and give us a rating? Um, and let people know that we're out there. We're still working on word of mouth. Um, we've got steady growth in this podcast. People more every month we get more and more people listening, and it's all word of mouth. So help us out. Get a friend listening. Tell a friend. They'll tell a friend. And so on and so on. <laughs> and they'll and so on. I feel like I need to shampoo my hair. Yeah, I don't have any left. <laughs> Well, that was another good one. Thanks, guys. It's Renee back here at the studio. Uh, a couple of last things to take care of. Um, we like to mention that Reefer Madness, the podcast, uh, acknowledges that we produce our shows on Treaty 2 territory and the homeland of the Métis. We pay our respects to the First Nations and Métis ancestors of this land, and we reaffirm our relationships. And we don't just say that. We actually... 
We actually take that seriously. You'll find that on uh, on reefermed.ca as well. Uh, Dr. Brent Guppy had a request for a song to end the episode, so we're going to end uh, end the episode with his request. And the request is Lorne, Acid Rain. Thanks for listening, everybody. Well, time to blow this joint. Like the show? Let us know. We're Reefer Madness on Instagram and Facebook, at Reefer Madness on Twitter, or head over to the website at reefermed.ca to find out what we're all about and what's coming up next. I know you're allowed to give 30 grams because, I mean, the first Christmas, excuse me, (laughs) excuse me, Renee, I'm coughing into the microphone.